Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You can't stop a person that says, I'm not afraid. The person that's not afraid is unstoppable. The person that says, God, I'm in your hands. And if I die, I got to die somehow anyway. That's an unstoppable person in the Lord's hands. That's why I love the Apostle Paul. Philippians 1, verse 21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is what? Gain. How do you stop that? How do you stop a guy that says, If I live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if you kill me, I count that a privilege. So that's an unstoppable guy. That's why Paul was so amazing. In your faith in Christ, do you know the power that you possess through him? Today, Pastor Bill explains that you serve an unstoppable God. No matter how dire your circumstances may be, He is always working everything for your good. Difficult times are inevitable, and if you want to get to the other side, you need to put God in control. The world paints a deceitful picture of self-made success that makes it easy to try to work things out by your own power. Only God can deliver you. Be saved through Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther, chapter 4, as he continues his message. For such a time as this. Hebrews chapter 11, it said, by faith, Moses, right? He was being raised in the palace. He was being treated like the king's kid. The king's daughter had found him in the river and was, was raising him like her own son. And while she was raising him like her own son, it says that Moses, uh, he left. He left all of that behind all the treasures, all the wealth, all the position, all the power. He left all that behind, believing that God has something else for him, right? I always trip about that because many of the word faith movement think that by faith you get stuff. I look at Moses and by faith he gave up stuff of the world to go pursue the call of God upon his life. And everybody knows the name Moses. Everybody knows that Moses was a great man. Everybody knows that Moses led Israel. He did great things. What God did for Moses was greater than any riches that Pharaoh could have given him in that house for the years of his life. Amen? He did not lose in that exchange, but he did give it up in order to pursue the call of God. And so um, he gave those things up. Esther's going to be called upon to give things up. And listen, there are going to be times where the people of God, God's going to call you to Put that on the put that on the altar to do my to call to follow the call of God. I promise you this: anything you give up to pursue God, when you get down the road of pursuing God, you'll look back and say, "I'm so, so worth it." That was so, what, what God has done is that'll never be that'll never compare to what God's done over here, right? And I think sometimes God sets us up for that challenge. God God may elevate you. God may give you position just to challenge it, just to see. Okay, now now what? Now I want you to leave it. Come to me. Uh, when my wife and I were much younger in the marriage, I knew that God had called me to the ministry. I knew that I was supposed to go to Bible college. And we had a, an agreement that when she finished college, then I was going to go to Bible college. What just so happened, the timing of everything is as she was wrapping up, I was at a new job. And the new job that I was at, I was being favored greatly at this job. I started at the bottom now we're here. No. I started at the bottom of this job, just was an entry-level position, you know, building telescopes, had a 90-day review, and I got a, I got a promotion and a raise. And they, some guy in the warehouse had a DUI, and they needed someone in there, and so I got the position. So now i just only been there 90 days, and I got the position in the warehouse. There were other people that were there longer, but I got it, right? Now I got a raise and a promotion. I'm in the warehouse. Great. I'm in the warehouse. I try to witness to a man that's in accounting 
and uh, he would come down to get the mail. You know, we said they were the, the shirt and tie guys. And uh, this guy would come down. He was a nice guy, and I tried witnessing to him. Uh, he was very respectful, heard me out, and he left. He came back about a week or two after I tried to share with him, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you uh, at lunchtime. And I went out to talk to him at lunch. And this guy said, now, he said, I remember you shared with me a couple weeks ago. He said, my son had been going to church with his friends. My wife and I went to church with my son this week to watch him get baptized. He said, my wife and I both gave our lives to the Lord, and we got baptized with him. And he said, now, in full circle, I understand what you were saying. And so this guy was like, Bill, we got a position open in accounting. That's my department. I want you to apply for it. And I'm like, bro, I'm bad at math. I, just, I, had, I, I had to go to adult school to catch up on math so I could go to college. I said, that math is not my thing. He said, just apply for it like anybody else off the street. I want you to apply for it. So I did. And lo and behold, I got that position. Um, so now I've only been, I haven't been in this job in a year. I got my third position. Now I got a shirt. Now I'm a shirt and tie guy. I got a shirt and tie job. I'm in accounting. I got an office and a desk. I got benefits. And my wife is pregnant with Harmony. It just looks like things are going amazing at this point in time. And at that point, wife had finished her thing. It was time for me to pursue Bible college. And I, I looked at where I was going to go to Bible college. Classes started in the daytime. And so I would need to quit that job to go really do what I was called to do. And, you know, so that was a thought, right? Now I have the best job I've ever had since I've been saved. Um, it's, it's, you know, I got a baby on the way. Seems like the responsible thing to do is to stay here, but I know I'm not called to that job. I'm not called to, to, to crunch numbers for my, I'm called to do ministry. And so that was, it was like, God said, let that go now and come pursue me. Now, if God had said, let it go when I was, you know, working at the, when I was building telescopes, it'd be like, yeah, praise God. You know, like it would have, it would have seemed like nothing, but now it was like, oh man, this was, it was going so well. This I was I felt good about this, you know. And but yeah, it didn't matter. I, I I don't look back and think, you know. This is what I look back. I look back and think, how sad would I be if I were doing accounting today? All these years of ministry, and here's the cool thing about years of ministry. Any, any of you guys, years of serving God, you look back on the years of serving God, and they all feel worth it. No matter what it was called, whatever whatever it costs, you'll look back over the years of serving God, and it just seems like, man, those are good. Those are, that was time well spent. I wouldn't rather have done anything else with those years than to be serving God. And so you may have to give some things up. God may put you in positions to give things up to pursue his call. I promise you, whatever you give up to pursue the call of God, you will get down the road and say, worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it every time. Amen. All right. So moving on. So let's look now at verse nine. So Hathach returned and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Verse 10 now, then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. So Mordecai had given her a command that she needed to go give supplication. Now there's a command coming from Esther to him. So Esther gives a command for Mordecai. Verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go into the king for these 30 days. So there's a dilemma here. Esther says, look, I got limited access to the king. You don't just get, even though I'm the queen, I don't just get to go in and come out. That's, y'all know, that's, that's crazy. What if husbands had it like that today? I just call for my wife when I want her, right? 
And, and here's the thing. He said she hadn't been called in 30 days. So it, it leaves to question. Some wonder, like, man, did she somehow fall out of favor? You know, maybe she had to be wondering, you know, why haven't I been called in 30 days if I was so favorable in the first place? You know, all of that could have been working in the background. I just, you know, she he's like, look, he hasn't called for me in 30 days. And you know the rules. If you just walk in there uncalled for, you know, just on your own, they're going to kill you unless he says, ah, hold out my golden scepter. So essentially, uh, Esther would be taking her life into her own hands if she were to do what Mordecai called her to do. So she's just letting Mordecai know, hey, I don't know if you understand what you're asking me to do, but this is kind of a big deal. You know, you can't just go in. And, and here's another thing to consider, right? The position that Haman was in, it was also quite possible that if she wanted to request to go into the king, that it would have to go through him. That would throw if though. So if she wanted to make the request to be asked, that she had to go through the person that the bad news was about. So it was like, well, I can't go through Haman to tell Haman I want to tell the king that you would you you know. So she had to either take take uh take it all into her own, take the risk, or not do it at all. And that's where that was the condition that she was left in. And I just again, I, this is something I see throughout uh, the life of faith. God always puts his children in positions to do things that require God's intervention, right? God never calls us to do easy things. You guys, have you guys discovered that? That God never says, do, do that easy thing. He'll always say, do that. And you're like, I can't do that. I know, you're not without my help, you can't, right? God will always call us to do things that are beyond what we can do in our own strength so that we will tap in and so that when God does the amazing things, We'll be careful to give him the glory because we know in reality we are not able to do this without him. He wants us to know that. He wants us to, and not just in theory, God wants you to know that. You can't do this without him. Uh, and, and if you could, it would be bad for you anyway. you just become prideful. And the enemy would get a, he'd have a stronghold in your life through pride. So he's calling her to do something that's a pretty big deal. And so um, she's going to call for uh, some days of fasting um, before she steps out. And so now look at verse 12 now it says so they told Mordecai Esther's words and now Mordecai has some strong words here it says and Mordecai told them to answer Esther do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews for if you remain completely silent at this time relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's house will perish and here's the phrase, uh, the key of the whole book of Esther. Yet, who knows? Rather, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Those are some strong words. First of all, he says, look, don't think, Esther. If you're, he, he, he goes ahead and says, he said, look, if you're thinking you're going to hide out in the palace, you're not, right? If you don't think you're going to hide out. You and your father's house will perish. And he says this, I mean, uh, Mordecai has faith. He says, God's going to deliver us some way. I believe God's going to deliver us. You may get to be the person. If you won't do it, God will do it through somebody else. We're going to be delivered. And it's almost letting her know, look, you have the option to be a, a part of what God would do. If you won't, you'll perish anyway. And God's going to do it some other kind of way. Those are pretty strong words, but they're true. The things that God has called us to do, right? Let's say God put something on your heart to do for him. And it requires faith and trust 
to do it. And let's say that you won't do it. You just won't trust God. You won't believe God. You won't obey him and do what he tells you to do. You think you're going to hinder God? (laughs) No, he's going to do it through somebody else. And so here, you know, Mordecai said, look, God's going to do it. I believe that. You could be a part. You could get to be a part of it. You could be a part of what God's doing. It's a privilege to be a part of what God's doing. God could do it through you. For those that are in the class, the evangelism class, there are people that God's going to save. If you get out there and share the gospel, he might do it through you. If you won't do it, he's going to use somebody else. But how cool would it have been if you got to be a part? How cool would it be for you to have been a part of what God was going to do and seeing someone else go from death to life? How cool is it to be a part of what God is doing? It's amazing to be a part of what God's doing. But we got to step out in faith in order to realize that, in order to see it happen. And so, so I'm encouraging you guys, keep stepping out in faith. Keep going forward. Keep sharing with everyone that will listen to you. And so again, the last phrase he says, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And, and that phrase, this is what he said, how, how do you know, Esther, that everything that's happened? Isn't just for this that this that this is the reason right now why all this taking place has happened, why your parents were gone, why I raised you here, why you had favor with the king, why you were so beautiful, why he chose you. How do you know that all of this, you being chosen, you being in the palace of all the other women that were here, it's you. How do you know that all of that didn't put you right where you are because God wants to do something through you right here, right now? Can I say that for many of us that where we are right now, the same thing is true? that we're where we are right now for such a time as this. You have the neighbors that you have. They're neighbors that live by you because God's like, I'm going to do it through you. You're going to tell them. In your workplace, you work in that job that you can't stand right now. And you're like, I can't stand this job, but you're there, right? Because God wants to do something through you in that job right now. Some people have jobs. I, I trip on this, right? Some people have a job that back in the day you were praying and begging that God would give it to you. Now you got it, and you're like, I hate this stupid job. I want another job. The job that God blessed you with, the, the answer to prayer three years ago, and you complaining about it today, and God's like, I'm, you on assignment at this job. I got something for you to do at this job. I had a situation when, I, when we, we first planned the church. I was working at hotel downtown L.A. at the Rich Carlton in L.A. Live, and it was a job flipping the rooms. They had events in all these big rooms, and I would go in, and I would set up the tables and the chairs and the tablecloths and all the stuff and the business rooms and all this. You would, you would set them up for events and tear them down, set them up, tear them down. It was a terrible job. Uh, I needed a job, but I'm, when I tell you that, it was difficult, and in my heart, I hated it, but I was, I was like, I got to work. I got to do what I got to do, and so I'm doing it. And as I'm there hating this job, I hated the environment. I hated having to listen to all the music and the stuff and all this stuff. And that was something the Lord put on my heart that maybe you're here to be a witness. And I started praying that God would give me opportunity to be a witness at this job. And I had a couple of one-on-one opportunities here and another one there. This happened at my job one night. We were waiting to turn over a large room. So a whole shift that I was with, probably about 12, 13 guys and the supervisor that's in the shift. We're all sitting in this room because their event went long. And so we can't go flip the room. So we're all waiting in this room together. And it's, it's a bunch of guys. So it's getting a little bit rowdy. Guys are showing porn on their cell phones. I'm backing away. Like, I, I don't even know how to engage in this conversations. So I back away a little bit from the, the, the stuff that's going on. Supervisor, he does this. He makes fun of me initially. He says, oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, y'all, wait a minute. I think we have offended the pastor. 
And um, and I haven't told these people that I'm a pastor, but he's like, I think we've offended the pastor. Y'all put that, put this away. And then he did this. This was God. He said, he started talking about some event that happened on the news where all these birds died all of a sudden. He said, man, it was some apocalyptic blankety blank words he used. He said, what does the Bible say about how everything is going to end? Tell us that. And he just, I mean, this is my supervisor that basically said, tell us what's going to happen when it all ends. And just gave me the floor. To sh- I shared the gospel with everybody in there. I talked about hell. I talked about heaven. I talked about what we got to do to believe. Laid it all out to everybody. And when we got done, I had four different people come to me in private. Um, two that were Christians that were embarrassed to say something, that weren't living right. Um, two that were coming back to the Lord. And I think it was on, I was only there like another month. And then the Lord released, he, he freed me from that, that job. It was like, yes, I'm out of here, you know. But how do you know? I mean, for me, God, I felt like God was like, for, for such a time, you just, you're just on an assignment. You ain't going to be here forever. I just want to encourage you guys. Maybe you're the job that you hate. Start witnessing to everybody. <laughs> maybe that's your way out, you know. Just start telling everybody everywhere you know about the Lord and what he's doing. So, but in sincerity, I think it's wise that we consider where we are and consider that maybe we're where we are for, for such a time. It's just like Esther, because there's something God wants you to do here now for his glory. That's what Mordecai tells her. Yet, who knows, rather you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Verses 15 and 16 now it says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and I will go to the king, which is against the law. And this is it. This is, this is, some, this is, this is the most gangster verse of a female in the whole Bible. And if I perish, I perish. I so love that, right? Esther says, look, fast and pray. We're gonna, I'm going to fast and pray for three days, no food, no water. My maids that are here with me, they're going to fast with me for three, for three days and three nights. You guys out there, fast for three days and three nights. I'm assuming that this is fasting with prayer, that we're, we're crying out to God. We're saying, God, intervene. At the end of three days, I'm going to go in and see what the Lord does. And if I perish, I perish. I might die. And if I die, I die. But I'm, I'm going to do it. This, I believe this so strong, you guys. You can't stop a person that says, I'm not afraid. The person that's not afraid is unstoppable. The person that says, God, I'm in your hands. And if I die, I got to die somehow anyway. That's an unstoppable person in the Lord's hands. That's why I love the Apostle Paul. Philippians 1 verse 21, Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. How do you stop that? How do you stop a guy that says, if I live, I'm going to live for Christ. And if you kill me, I count that a privilege. So that's an unstoppable guy. That's why Paul was so amazing, uh, amazingly used by the Lord. Esther here says, look, and this is a, this is a pretty girl. This is not some, you know, she's not some muscle man or some tough guy. This is a, this is a, a pageant queen, you know, a, a, a pageant winner. You know, she's a, I don't know, <laughs> she's a pretty girl, you know. And she says, look, I'm going to go. And if I die, I die. I'm, I'm going to go and see if God will use me to deliver my people. And if I die, I die. She's committed. In this chapter, we see the commitment was made. The chapters that are going to come follow, I'm going to see the, the commitment have to be walked out. But right here, the commitment is made. She has heard from Mordecai. She received the things that he asked her to do. And she's committing to go forth with these things. Look at the last verse 17. It says, so Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. I love this, right? Because Esther is doing everything he tells her to do. And he's doing everything she asked him to do. 
What did she ask him to do? Hey, get everybody together, fast and pray for three days, don't eat, don't drink, got you. And this is what I want to say about Mordecai, right? He is, he is able to give radical counsel because he's also lived a radical life. You understand that? He's given her some radical counsel, but I want you to, this is not coming, this radical counsel is not coming from a guy that's not done anything, right? He can give that kind of counsel because she knows he's, he's, he's living that kind of life. And um, I, I think for those of us that are called to equip people and share with people and challenge people, parents, you know, pastors, leaders, teachers, you know, those that are trying to lead, we got to live what we're preaching, um, that, that people should be able to see in us what, what, that what we're saying we, we know about. I remember when I was in high school, uh, we had a great group of football coaches. All of my football coaches were former, you know, players, and they were all pretty serious. So... You know, we had I mean, we had guys that they probably had they, they probably they they were probably going through rough phases in life, but we had we had tough coaches, and you know when they would get on us and tell us to do stuff, we had coaches that would say, "If you make me get out here and run with y'all," like we had a track coach. I still remember his name was Coach Swain, and he would be pushing the guys to run, to go, and to run, and he would say, "You know what? I'm I'm finna." He would he would take off his gear. I'm lining up with you guys. If I beat anybody. Y'all going to be out here all day running, right? That was his. And every once in a while, what he would do is flex and just let us know, oh, I, I used to be bad. I used to do this, you know? And probably now at 40, I probably still can smoke most of y'all. And he would get out there and smoke a whole bunch of guys and, and everybody had to run all day. And he would just let y'all know, like, nah, you know? Spiritually speaking, right, Mordecai is not flexing on her, but he's saying, look, I'm living this life. And so when I'm challenging you, you know the challenge is coming from somebody that's, I don't just, I'm not just saying this, I do this. I live for the Lord, so I'm encouraging you to do what I do. I'm trusting God just like I'm asking you to trust God. Um, and so he says, look, we're, we're going we're gonna to do what you ask us to do too. Uh, we're going to be fasting and praying for these three days. And again, it says that he heeded the words that were spoken. Or he, he, he went his way and did the things that she asked him to do. So as we finish this chapter today and we get ready to spend some time just worshiping and praying through what we're hearing from the Lord, one thing I want everybody to consider is everything in Esther's life was kind of coming to it was, she, it was coming into its own purpose, right? All that had gone on, family situation, beauty, Mordecai, where you are, picked by the king. In the past, It was all getting ready to make great sense. But check this out. It's only going to make sense if she, she's got to follow through on with the rest of what God is showing her to do. This story only gets great if she does her part now. God set her up. She is, she is set up to do something great. And we know that she does it. But I just want you to know that she chose. She had to make some choices. It just didn't happen. And, and many of you guys, if, as you're walking with the Lord and following, God has set you up to do something great for him. But you, you got you to you gotta make choices in keeping with God's word. You got to do the things that God is telling you to do at this season of your life. Um, you got to obey the Lord for yourself. Because if not, it's, it's, <laughs> hear this, it is quite possible to waste your life. It is quite possible to be a believer that does not accomplish what God created you to do. It is quite possible to live and die and never be what God uniquely created you to be. How sad is that? That some people live and die and God said, I made them to be this. And they never, they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do what I made them to do. And so they, you know, they don't get the experience having been used by the Lord or being what God had called them to be. May that not be true for any of us. May we learn from the, the, the warnings of, of the examples of people that have gone before us. And may we be stirred up by stories like this to say, God, I'm here now. 
I'm here for such a time as this. I'm where I am, where you put me, all my background, all the negatives, all the positives, all the goods, all the bads, everything that you've done to shape me into what I am. I'm here right now for such a time as this. What do you want to do with my life? And I pray that you would have, that God would give us faith and we would have enough obedience to trust him for what he has for us at this season. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of something and thought, why me? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of two main characters that would change how the people of Susa saw God as their king forever. That's right, we're diving into the book of Esther. Esther 4.14 says this, If you keep quiet at times like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. The queen, of course, is one of our lead roles, Esther. The ending quote is known all around the world, but often the first part of the verse is left out. The next time you find yourself asking the question, why me? Remember the story of Esther and how she rose to the challenge. But it would seem under the threat of death. Thank God that we have the choice today to step up and rise to the occasion with the confidence that God is there with us. He will give you the strength you need for such a time as this. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word. As you let the Word transform you, it will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then, if you're in the area, make plans to come see us in person. We've got something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back, and we hope you will too. See you next time, right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.